0: All right, let's chat with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. There is a lot to go over. Good morning, Vaughn. Good
1: morning, Simi. And the question of the day is what took them so long?
0: Okay, yeah, but on which front? Yeah, well, <laughs> let's start with the requirement for health care
1: workers to get yes. vaccinated. I heard you and Gordon McDonald talking about it this morning. And uh, yes, uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry in particular has been saying for months that healthcare workers have an obligation to get vaccinated. In fact, I remember her one point in the spring saying, You know, you don't want to get vaccinated, you probably should be looking for work elsewhere. But finally, yesterday, we get the requirement, the announcement, that all healthcare workers are going to have to be vaccinated. They've got till October the 26th to get there. Um, as I say, uh, they've been talking about it for a long time. It's incredible it took this long asked why? Well, um, a reminder that uh, this government uh, is a, a labor government. Uh, they're talking to the healthcare care unions to get them on side. Uh, they've got most of them on side, but uh, that's the reason It's taken so long to get here.
0: Very noticeably, though, they don't have the B.C. Nurses Union on site.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I I went over the transcript this morning to double-check, because uh, Dr. Henry had said, of course, that there's lots of support, uh, including from the unions, and yes. And she pointed out that the Canadian Nurses Union does support this. And, of course, when they were finished, the release came out from the B.C. Nurses Union, Uh, with reservations about it, but I think it was a pretty strong message from the government that they've listened to everybody and the unions are all on side. BC Nurses Union's an outlier, but I don't think they're going to get much satisfaction. Dr. Henry, as you know, was, uh, was asked about exemptions, and she said, well... Uh, there will be a panel, an independent panel that will decide whether or not you're exemption qualified, but she's on record as saying they're very, very narrow grounds for medical exemptions. And she said, if you don't want to get vaccinated and you're a healthcare care worker, um, well, uh, you might get reassigned if there's an opening, but ultimately uh, leave without pay, without pay. Ooh. So that's a pretty tough line. And the other thing is interesting, you know, Dr. Henry doesn't take many shots, but I was struck yesterday, you know, these stories, and we've all done them, on how in the long-term care sector, the administrators are worried that long-term care, healthcare workers who don't want to get vaccinated will just go across the street to... Um, a healthcare care facility, cause shortage of workers everywhere and go to work and not have to get vaccinated. She said, she made a point of saying that option is not going to be there for you. So she slammed the door on that as well. So I, uh, you know, Dr. Henry, as we've known many times, very conciliatory, very optimistic, Not but anymore. on this one you can see her patience has really run out.
0: Yeah, you could tell. And they were giving them, I think, a little extra time, because I know that the uh, long-term care, you know, industry had been calling for yes. this because they said it wasn't fair that their workers had to be, but then they yeah. could quit and walk across the street and work in acute care, and so maybe they were just waiting, waiting, waiting for them to get on side. and if they didn't, now they're making it mandatory.
1: Yeah, you're right, Simi. Look, I, I think they've given health workers, plenty of warnings, more patients. My suspect is, again, I think lots of members of the public are saying, what took you so long? And I think if we ever do get to the point where we have an independent review of how we manage the pandemic, I think one of the questions is going to be, how much, how much did COVID-19 spread in long-term care and what were the costs of it? Because it took so long to crack down, because they again said months ago when asked how is COVID-19 getting into long-term care, they said it is staff. The patients are in there, right? It's introduced by staff. So again, why has it taken so long?
0: And we're still waiting for more of the stats, right, on on the unvaccinated in long-term care and everything that's going on.
1: Yeah, I I was surprised yesterday. uh, We were told, in fact, uh, weeks ago, that they were going to be surveying uh, who's vaccinated and who isn't. They didn't know in given facilities, uh, so they were surveying. They were supposed to have the numbers. Asked yesterday for the numbers. Um, Dr. Henry said, well, the numbers are in. They're still being analyzed. We hope to get those to you soon. Now, Dix and Dr. Henry say, overall, uh, overwhelmingly, Workers in healthcare, doctors, nurses overwhelmingly are vaccinated. So the question the stat is how many aren't, where are they? They say they don't have the numbers. Dix said that this requirement will affect his phrase, north of a hundred thousand people who work in health care will be affected by this new requirement. But he also said that the vaccination rate, uh, particularly for doctors, nurses, healthcare, frontline health care workers, is over 90% already. So they're affected, but most of them are already there.
0: Okay, the other thing we were going to talk about this morning uh, was the finances, because Finance Minister Selena Robinson had an update uh, yesterday, and boy, was that ever different from the last one.
1: Yeah, and she said mostly good news and I think it's borne out, you know. So, uh the deficit forecast for the year the one we got in February, which was pretty gloomy, uh, ten billion dollars. Uh, that forecast's already been halved. It's now below five billion. And you know what a world we've entered, where less than a five billion dollar deficit's good news. But it is uh, the, the the growth projection for the BC economy this year is uh, up. It was four percent, now six percent. That means they'll make up virtually all the ground that was lost last year. Employment uh, about break even point. And thanks, well, first of all, to taxpayers. Uh, there's a lot more money came in from income taxes and from corporate taxes than they budgeted for. They get, Ottawa collects it, and B.C. doesn't really know how much it's getting until Ottawa tells them. And, of course, they wait till everybody's tax returns are approved. So they get the number June, July, and it's way up. That's been the main impact. The other thing that came through for the government is the housing market. So I I guess there's an irony here. The New Democrats promised housing affordability, and of course that was predicated on driving down prices and all that. Well, uh, British Columbians have been buying homes, and uh, you know, maybe they wanted a bigger place because they were stuck at home, working at home, or they needed a backyard for their kids because the kids couldn't go anywhere. But whatever, you put it all in the mix, the housing market did well. Housing starts are up. Prices are up. And, um, well, the government gets a big piece of the action from that, including that property transfer tax, which is a cash cow that's been around for years. And revenues are up from that.
0: Right. But there still was more spending, too.
1: Yeah, they spent more. of. Uh mostly fighting forest fires, right? Uh, if you look at the list of things, they, the spending was up over a billion dollars, but most of it is fighting wildfires and child care spending is up because they cut that deal with the federal government to increase child care availability in BC. So uh, spending is up, but even with spending being up by over a billion dollars, the deficit forecast is down below $5 billion. And they're still being fairly prudent politically, Simi. The uh, the, the budget still includes a billion-dollar hedged against bad news. And so if they don't need to tap that money, uh, the deficit, when they wrap up the year next year, um, the books are closed, audited independently, uh after the financial year is over, March 31st, so when we get to that point, uh, the deficit could still be smaller. I look at it and go, well, you know, they're on track to get us back into a balanced budget right now, they say, by the end of the decade, but I think they'll be there before that. Of course, uh, you know, if the the economy continues to cooperate, if taxpayers continue to to cooperate, and if we stay on track to get this pandemic under control, and that's a big question mark, of course.
0: It's interesting as well that they were talking about um, comparing to other provinces, right? Because I know that yes. BC added to the capital debt, but as a percentage of the economy compared to other provinces, BC is still doing very well.
1: Yeah, the debt is big here. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot bigger, I think, than the government wanted or expected or forecast. But when you look at it as a percentage of the economy... It's still below 20% of the uh, provincial gross domestic product, and Ontario and Quebec are both above 40%. So, it, it, again, that's another irony. When the BC Liberals uh, told us again and again and again that we had the best rate of economic growth and the, one of the smallest deficits and... Uh, the highest levels of employment in Canada back in 2017, the voters went, yeah, 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 but what have you done for us lately? And the Liberals lost their majority. So now the New Democrats are saying the same kind of thing. And, you know, I, I don't know how much comparison British Columbians really do to other provinces. You know, I think we're kind of vain and we expect to be number one on things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why did we put beautiful on the license plates, right? Because like, <laughs> we're kind of <laughs> smug about all this. It's so we are. I don't know how... but. It is. I mean, in terms of the NDP's performance and BC's performance during the pandemic, better than expected. So far, so good. Robinson says rightly, we still need to be careful. We still need to be prudent. We're not out of the woods yet. But in terms of where we expected to be and forecasters expected us to be at this point, Simi, so far, so good.
0: All right. Well, uh, hold on to that, Vaughn. Thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.